0: Let's see. Blessing of a civil marriage. All right. So, here's the deal. You don't, you don't actually have to get married in church. And if you get married in the court, it's just as valid as if you get married here. All right? Again, we, we've said that uh, marriage is something that belongs to the civil realm anyways. This is something that is not particular. Peculiar to the church, it's something that's been gifted to the whole entire creation, okay um, so if you want to get married outside of the church for whatever reason, it's fine if you just don't want like all the hubbub or well, what do you think would be a good reasons to get married just in the court? Quick. Yeah. Cheaper. Although, I charge less than the court does. Just so you know. It's nothing. After 9-11, there were weddings happening. Marriages was happening all over the place. And the are coming church for blessings. And we were going to serve all over the community. Hmm. Oh. Oh. Yeah, perfect. I would also say, too, that, like, um, you can do a church wedding real quick, too. Like, you can actually come to church. Yeah, I mean, give me five minutes' notice, and I can put your wedding together, and it'll just be wonderful. Like, really. Um, The the problem is, you, you won't, when you have to buy, like, 15 cakes or whatever, and... I can't, I can't guarantee the rest of it, but you can't have receptions right now anyways, so it's just fine, right? But, um, yeah, so, yeah, I think for reasons of, yeah, speed, um, a lot of times, well, I always have this fantasy, I've never had it happen, but if you, if I did run into, like, a cohabitating couple who wanted to get married... Uh, but had like a, you know, one of these insane engagements that was planned to last for three years. I think I would say, like, you really just need to go to the courthouse and get married. Stop pretending, get married. And then we can work on the other stuff, you know? And I think that would be a perfectly righteous thing to do. So, um, yeah, I, I found myself like, well, I think that we had the perfect wedding and we were told so. And it was, it was awesome. But part of me does kind of wish like that we would have just like done it on the down low and like not ever told anyone or anything. I don't know. There's something interesting about that. Uh, so, and and like I said, the people that I've had who have like walked out on me for wedding stuff, they still went and had like other actual big ceremonies it's just not here um so um yeah it, it civil marriage and again this is it really is the cornerstone of of society like you gotta have moms and dad raising kids or else it doesn't work um have you ever, like, met people who grew up in an orphanage? Is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, they didn't, like, die on the street corner, but it, it can be a fairly traumatic life. Um, a couple of years ago, Concordia Selma, which just closed last year, um, about 10 years ago, they bought, there was an adjacent orphanage that they had bought because it just like wasn't in business anymore. So we don't have orphanages anymore because abortions have grown so much. So it's, it's weird. Um, But yeah, it's, it really is. It really is a, like the basis of any civilization. Um. All right, let's look at this. And I apologize for the excessive amount of toner that was, was used on here. I didn't have time to trim off the edges. Uh, these are not budget-conscious copies right here. So, uh, This right is for husbands and wives who have been legally married in a civil ceremony. Prior to the service, the pastor must receive a copy of the marriage license. Those who witness the civil marriage may also be present. So again, now there are there. I don't know if you guys have run into this, but um, it's especially mostly a hypothetical scenario with older people. Although I've heard of it, where you get two older people who are widowed or whatever, um, who find one another, but don't want to lose the benefits. That they would if they get married? Is this what you guys are? Yes. <laughs> 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 I, I've known a uh, couple that they have, though. She, she was married to a service member. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a real thing. It's a big question. It's always kind of an ongoing question. What do you do with this? I'm still kind of inclined, like, they got to get married. I think. But, again, I've never actually come across it. I've only heard of it. Uh, it's, It's really interesting. My experience is that we kind of give old people a pass for sinning kind of like eh, they're old they know what they're doing like we just think it's like teenagers and college students that sin like it doesn't decrease when you get older i don't think it just changes so i don't understand the particular sins that old folks like get into but they do Um, you know, it's like we just kind of assume that every old person is is, uh, some pious person that goes to church every week and stuff like that. And it's like, no, they're still just as human as I am. So, um, yeah, I, I guess ideally the government wouldn't penalize people for getting married. And I don't know what all the reasons are behind all that stuff, but but I have seen that several times and um Yeah. I mean in the case of like ex mil or widow you know, or widowers of the military, you know, not only do you lose the pension part of it, but you lose all medical coverage, you don't at the you lose everything. Yeah, I guess I'd like to know why that is. You know? And if it's assumption that the new husband is actually going to care for his wife, then, like, yeah, why do you need all that stuff anymore anyways? And, but. That uh, better. Yeah. Yeah, that's awful. That's a bad bad spot to be put in. Yeah. Seems like you should be able to fix that. You would think they ought to put about five, 65 year old housewives around the table and give us three days, and we can take care of that. All right. I'll. Can you arrange that? Or is that. Which one of you can arrange that? Okay, good. Um, let's see. Two, the pastor should discuss the nature of this rite with the couple, making it clear that the rite is not a remarriage, but rather an opportunity to hear God's word, rejoice in his gift of marriage, and ask for his blessing. So yeah, you're not getting married again. Yeah, there's only one marriage. Um, and it's kind of like baptism. You, know, you, just, you just get married once. Um oh I did I was talking about this last week about uh certificates that you get for like important things in your life. And so we give you a baptismal certificate, we give you a confirmation certificate, I got an ordination certificate. Uh I did see that the uh legislators do get uh certificates when they take the oath of office. So that does happen. It's kinda cool. Um, Oaths should be taken sparingly. Uh, Yeah, you don't want to like... Also, I saw this week that we swore seven people into the Space Force here. So, the Space Force is in Anchorage. Awesome. It's great. We're going to see the rockets going up anytime now. Uh, three, the right of blessing of a civil marriage is designed for use at the beginning of the divine service or daily office, just like a normal marriage. It may also stand by itself as an independent order of, merit, of service. If the right's used at the beginning of the divine service, it comes before the entrance, or uh, entrance him. It's, so it's just, it's the first thing. And it's great. Now, you're going like, to have a problem if this is like the late people, um because there are the late people, and yeah it 's kind of fun because you can see people get you know you get shuffled around pretty quickly with our current seating arrangement, our government prescribed seating arrangement, and uh yeah it, it's it's great, so the, if you 're late to church, you want to be on time or early for your blessing of your civil marriage, okay, just so you know. Uh, not during Holy Week. So because of the solemn nature of Holy Week, it's inappropriate to schedule this rite during that time. You've got to wait at least a week. Uh, when used within the divine service, Holy Communion is offered to all eligible communicants and not to be limited to the husband and wife or the witnesses. As in all worship in the house of God, the blessing of a civil marriage invokes the presence and blessing of God, which is what it does not do in the courts. You know. Uh, although there is a lot of God talk in the court, isn't there? It's very strange. I think it's strange. Like why, why does the president swear an oath on the Bible? That seems weird to me. Anytime I see politicians talking about God too much. I'm immediately suspicious because they have actual, they have an actual basis for what their job is. And it's not because God, okay? It was, like, it was weird when, a, when we would go to the March for Life in Washington, D.C. Hundreds of thousands of people uh, marching. And again, not a single broken window, somehow but uh all the politicians would get up and they would just talk about like well god wants to do this and that and i'm like you should not have to invoke god to convince people that murder is bad right like that's just kind of a thing you all human beings have these rights and one of them is to not be murdered you know well duh i don't know we whenever i see too much god stuff in politics it just uh, it seems like they're f- they're fumbling a little bit on what they're supposed to be doing. I don't know. It's what? Well, and like we don't have. Um, Do you guys watch Super Bowl last week? Well, I did. Uh, I have to indoctrinate my children into at least some like red blooded American things. You know. <laughs> yeah, we don't watch any other sports all year long, basically. Well, when the Cubs won the World Series, like I made them watch that with me. I was like, "This is a big deal. This is." You got oh, I was like, "You got to watch this. We are going to watch this together. I'm going to be a good American dad, and we're going to watch the Cubs win the World Series." Yes, exactly. So, (laughs) I don't know what's going on any other time, but the Cubs won the World Series. This is a big deal. Let's watch this, children. So, yeah, we watched the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is, like, the, like, premier American religious experience, you know? Well, I care about the Super Bowl the way that, like, a lot of people care about church, you know? I'm going to watch it every year. But that's it, you know? Like, some people will be like, well, of course, we'll not go to Easter over my dead body. I don't care about it the rest of the year, but, you know. So, I, it, but at the Super Bowl, though, it's interesting. There's not, like, they didn't start out. They don't start out with a prayer or anything. They, the teams might do that in private sometimes, I know. And it seems like a lot of times in the Super Bowl or in, in pro sports, people get real irritated when people seem to be genuine Christians as well. And then they start talking about things and then they get canceled or whatever. I don't I just remember Tim Tebow. I, I don't know who else has done it, but it's always a little, like, preachy or something. But, yeah, it's weird that they don't open that with, like, some invocation, but they do open every, every, uh, like, legislative session opens with an invocation. It's interesting. Do you know why that is? They opened the Space Force swearing in with an invocation. It was like, honestly, I'd like to say that prayer because it would have been way more awesome than like what the guy said, but. Yeah, the Space Force chapter. Yeah, like that would be awesome. Uh, It would be really, really long and talk about the creator of dark matter and whatever. Well, that's the big thing. All the chaplains are like, well, they won't let us pray in the name of Jesus. It's like, oh, well, did you know that God has only, like, a billion other names to pray in? Huh? So, oh, you think you're, like, getting something past us by not praying in the name of Jesus? You just made the prayer five minutes longer. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, they did start off with three, basically, like, Patriotic songs before the Super Bowl. That's interesting. So Also, did I hear this right that no one is kneeling for the national anthem anymore? Like we're done with that now? <laughs> some people can some, some That kind of just went away. health care so that's the current thing. and just you know, the the You what you just did, the said, he received a bunch of backlash from that. Yeah. is it because Trump, like, is out of office? Yeah. Oh. It, it's just, it just ran it's like, that's not, that's not the, the, the hot like news thing. Yeah. Pandemic. Exactly. No, it yeah. Well, it's all, and that's the thing about, like, being devoted to all these things that we get so divisive over and hate people on this side or that is, like. You're gonna forget about this in a year, yeah, I know it's crazy uh I mean, it's seriously like with this whole impeachment thing, I was like, oh yeah, that's right that that happened oh, has it been a month oh, that's I already forgot about that, you know. <laughs> But So if we actually devote ourselves to things that matter, I think that would be good for us. The problem is we treat everything now like entertainment. And I'm interested in something for like, while I'm watching it, you know? We watched The Dig. Anyone seen this? It, it's on Netflix. It's like the perfect intersection of me and Ellie's interests in what we want to watch. Yeah, basically right before World War II. Oh, yeah. So, guess what? I was already in- interested in this archaeological stuff in Sutton Hoo. You know about this? You know, in uh, 1938, they dug up this uh, Anglo-Saxon ship burial on this lady's property. And I've always been interested in it. You see it in your, like, history textbooks. This mask that they found is it just, it's made of gold. And it's just a 38-foot-long ship you know, in the middle of a field buried with this, like, Anglo-Saxon king in the middle of it. But then it's actually this, like, English story about you know, some rich lady and and it's like Downton Abbey, but with archaeology. And so... It, the dig, yeah. Oh, it's awesome. But, like, I'll care about that for, you know, about two more days maybe, you know? There's just nothing endures anymore. There's nothing that The only reason why, like, Marvel endures is because there's, like, 400 of those movies and they have to get you with each new one, right? Uh, it just, it's crazy. Everything is just so transient now and just, it it all fades so quickly. Yeah, even something like this whole national anthem weirdness. So, um, yeah, let's, let's actually be devoted to things that matter. Uh, or else nothing matters and they'll take it away from us um, so I, I think the church actually does matter obviously um, can you can you even imagine in like two years maybe like all this COVID stuff we will not remember any of it I mean hopefully we like You'll see a face mask on the ground and be like, "Oh, I remember those things." Or you'll find them in your like laundry. Oh yeah, that's right. Remember when I do that stuff? I mean, it it's just it'll go away and we'll forget about it. We forget about everything now. We have no like collective memory anymore. It's wild. It's just gone. Once it's not like on the news. I don't even watch the news. I look at other things, but it's crazy. Um. oh okay again here we go number seven as in all worship in the house of God the blessing of civil marriage invokes the presence and blessing of God therefore it should avoid triteness and empty sentimentality so triteness and empty sentimentality have no place in the church so uh, if you want to do something in the church ask yourself is this trite or filled with empty sentimentality You know, your mileage will vary on whether you're able to judge those things. Um, someone asked me, they're like, how come we didn't do like Valentine's Day stuff in church? And honestly, I was like, I gave you a lot of Valentine's Day things in church this week. We had roses and we sang about love and had First Corinthians 13, which was just the assigned reading, by the way, like. Yeah, yeah, we. I know. So, but I mean, one of the reasons is because, yeah, you have like some Valentine's Day thing it's just kind of, just trite. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but um, it often is. Music selected for this right should embody high standards of quality and be within the ability of the performers. Yes. The music should reflect the praise of God and his steadfast love in Christ as the foundation model for marriage. Remember, like this is still going back to Ephesians 5. And I think, too, Ephesians 5, the husband loving his wife and the wife respecting the husband. I mean, this, this goes for like non-Christian couples, too. Like that's how your marriage is going to work. The whole uh, purely egalitarian view of marriage—it doesn't work. Ah, um, oh, this is the other like awesome thing this week that I don't know when this will fade. That you can't say breastfeeding anymore. You guys have seen this? I saw that on something. Breastfeeding is no longer a word can use. Yes. Chest feeding. Yeah, just so you know. It's now chest feeding. Yes. Because it's offensive to men who have child who give birth to children. Yes. So it's just it's chest feeding. So with so, Exactly. Well, we were uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's awesome. Like you keep going, You can't say breast milk now; it's chest milk. But then I think milk even is probably a little bit offensive, and so calling it uh, just chest liquid or something or just or just. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you're just adding on. I heard something. Like you're. you're oh no no no! You can't say you you cannot say breast milk. It's I, I chest. Know the thing about milk. What happens thing? Um. The men who are chest feeding their children will <laughs> get angry. I guess I don't know. It's harmful to the men who are chest feeding. Uh, yeah, I mean it's, but really, uh, Ephesians five. This, I mean, this is like, this is like so far. Long ago, a couple years ago, there was this, like, uh, I think they were on Oprah when Oprah was still on, so that tells me how long ago this was, but there was a a pregnant man, the pregnant man, it was, like, the first, like, kind of, like, big thing. Do you remember the pregnant man? I mean, this must have been 2008, 2009, and he was on Oprah, and it was just so confusing seeing the pregnant man and his wife, who was actually a man or a woman. I, I can't remember. But like at some point the <laughs> the man pretending to be a woman was complaining to his woman who's now a man, wife, husband, about like woman things. And you could tell that all of a sudden this person who was actually like in labor is like, shut, shut up. Like you don't even understand what this is. You You don't have the same parts as I do. No, it it just, like, it doesn't work. It does not work. Now, I'll tell you what, though, like, the encouraging thing is that, like, as much as they try to push this on us and tell us that this stuff is normal, it's not. And I can tell you this because whenever I go to my kids' school, do you know what's happening there? Like, the boys are still idiot roughhousing boys like playing whatever chase football they're doing and the girls are still like playing cheerleader all together and like no one is teaching them this it's just in them they're different and they're different in a good way uh adam is not okay on his own he needs his eve right and and Eve, in some way, completes him. Like, this is all... They they work together. So this is called complementarianism. And apparently it's, like, controversial in some circles, you know. Um, This is being broadcast on Facebook. I don't know if we're going to get canceled for going against community standards for any of this. But it's, it's wild. It's just you got to have, like, the husband and the wife are very, very different. And when you want to pretend that they're the same, like, it doesn't work. And, and, again, this is not to say that, like, the husband has to do the hard, sweaty things and that the wife does the things that smell good or whatever. But, like, they're very different. And and that's just the way that God made us. And it's actually really beautiful when you see it working. And, and when it doesn't work, things fall apart and it's, you know flaming catastrophe. Um, I think that's kind of all we're going to look at with the uh, Blessing of Civil Marriage, but it is like, again, it's really good. And you should know that this is available. Um, Actually, go to the bottom of page 72 here. It's your second page. What we are not going to look down on you if you go get a courthouse marriage and want to come have it blessed in church. Like that's not the thing that we're interested in doing. And um, yeah, so like you can totally do this. We have it's we have a right prepared for it, and not because we like don't like people that do this. We actually want to affirm. The gift of marriage. Uh, so the bottom here, yeah. Dearly beloved, our Lord and God established marriage when he created the heavens and the earth. Again, this is beautiful. With this holy word, he desires to bless the marriages of those who fear, love, and trust in him. He gives his blessing to comfort and console you when various temptations and crosses afflict your union with each other in Christ. He also pledges that he will never forsake his own. That He will always defend those who live in this estate according to His holy will. So, by the way, if you're like fighting for your marriage, you do have the Lord's word that you're you're fighting for the right thing here. You know, uh, if you're praying for the restoration of your marriage, again, you can be assured that you have the Lord's promise with this, and that this is actually a gift that He has given to you and established. Uh, with you, so in, and, and it's worth fighting for. Um, yeah. Therefore, in joyful confidence, I now ask you for God and His Church to give your solemn pre- pledge that you will continue to live in holy marriage according to His Word. That's kind of fun. This is that you'll continue to live together, um, and that's what the vow is. Um, will you continue? Oh, this is great. Yeah. Hans, you have taken Greta to be your wife. I love it. Will you continue to live together in the holiest state of matrimony as God ordained it? Will you nourish and cherish her as as Christ loved his body, the church, giving himself up for her? Will you love, honor, and keep her in sickness and in health and forsaking all others? Remain united to her alone so long as you both shall live and say, I will. Um. Greater than you have taken Hans to be your husband, will you continue to live together in holy estate of matrimony as God ordained it? Will you submit to him as the church submits to Christ? Will you love, honor, and keep him in sickness and health, forsaking all others, remain united to him alone so long as you both shall live. So, and then the very end, this blessing, the Almighty and gracious God abundantly grant you His favor and sanctify and bless you with the blessing given to Adam and Eve in paradise that you may please him in both body and soul and live together in holy love into your life's end. Amen. So, yeah, it's, it's just great. Um, the blessing given to Adam and Eve in paradise. So, that's the goal. Um, as with Adam and Eve in paradise, we know also that it didn't last very long. and So you'll have to figure out how to deal with that too, but... You notice they didn't just, like, abandon one another once they left the garden. And we're like, well, that didn't work. Uh, Try again. But they leave, and apparently they forgive each other. Um, Yeah. I was teaching something this week on uh, ancient baptismal rites, by the way. And so in the early church, when you get baptized, uh, you're baptized naked, okay? So, now I have never done a naked baptism, me or the person being baptized. Um, But you baptize them naked. They show up at the church, and then they like, they wear their own clothes to the church, and then they take them off, they're baptized, and then you put new clothes on them. And one of the reasons for this is, it's really interesting, in holy baptism, uh, Eden is being restored in which they were naked and they were not ashamed. Uh, it's really, again, I don't even know how you'd be able to do this. I'm, I'm not mature enough for this. Uh, but yeah, there's that thing, they were not ashamed. And so afterwards they clothed themselves. So it's just, Adam and Eve are the two, the only two people on the face of the earth. And all of a sudden, they're ashamed, like who? Like no one else is going to see them, you know. They're they're afraid of one another. They're afraid of God, and they're afraid of one another. And that's how we find ourselves today. And what does God do? He actually restores them. It's interesting. He doesn't just say, "Well, come on, guys, get over it." Uh, he provides for them. He makes them clothes. And this is the first animal sacrifice in the Bible. He makes them clothes out of animal skins. So I think this is where the universal practice of sacrificing animals for sins come from. God is the first one who does it. So anytime we have any sort of sacrifice, this is coming from actually the example that the Lord gave us, that for their sin, they had to be covered with something that would last. Fig trees won't do Fig leaves are really big, but you're not gonna attach those things to yourself in any meaningful way that's actually gonna like cover you up. They can get really big. I don't know if you've seen fig figs, but uh, we had them in North Carolina. I don't know if you have figs in Georgia. Yeah? But but anyways it's um uh, yeah, the Lord actually gives them something Something different and something that they can work with, so we send them forward instead of backwards. That's that's an interesting thing, and then they have to learn how to live with each other, and they do because uh, they keep having kids. So, all right, let's look at anniversary affirmation of holy matrimony. Uh, this is something that we had a couple, a couple two months ago. With the Lamperts, I really, really do encourage this when people have like impressive anniversaries. Um, how long have you guys been married? Like eight years? Well, that's pretty good. So maybe when you get to ten, or I don't know, but. Um yeah I think it's a good thing to do, especially in the church in the divine service and i've only done this a couple times but I, and it's with people who've been married for seventy years, which just like scrambles my brain you know figuring out how people lived that long, even with one another and it's it's wild. I was looking at some uh, historical average of human life expectancy. Like, up until, like, the 1800s, the it was about 40. Like, people weren't used to living that long. And it was really only within the last, like, 100 years that people started living long. And uh, I think we've been doing pretty good at it. But it's wild. And I know that, like, a lot of that is because of the... Um, because babies died a lot, but I'm fine living in a world where like, the average age in America is 79 for death. It's 82 in Canada. I don't know what they're doing different there, but um, yeah, it's, it's like, wow. So it's an interesting thing to have to learn to deal with that, with living longer. What do you do with all these old people? How do they? How do they make it? Um, you know. Um, yeah, this is great. Uh, anniversary or affirmation of holy matrimony. So again, this is something that you can do. Um, my parents did this a couple years ago. I think there was their thirtieth anniversary, maybe. 35? Some, something. I don't know. But it was also like when my dad was dying they did this. He's still alive. He's having invasive shunts put into his eyes this week. Which sounds about as fun as it sounds. Or, I mean the doctor told him that some people it feels like barbed wire in their eyes and other people it feels like an eyelash so yeah it's pretty crazy keep my father in your prayers if you'd like his name is david um so yeah this rite is used at an anniversary of a marriage as an act of reconciliation or in other appropriate circumstances if a couple previously divorced is remarrying the right for holy matrimony is used so we do actually note there that, like, we do take the divorce seriously. And we're like, yeah, we'll just, like, you'll get, you'll marry. <laughs> so we'll do that again. Um, the pastor should discuss the nature of this right with a couple, making it clear that the right is not a remarriage. It's interesting that we've had those notes a couple times. I wonder if people have actually thought that they're, they're getting remarried or something. Or else you wouldn't have to write that. Um, But rather an opportunity to hear God's word, rejoice in his gift of marriage, and ask for his blessing. Yeah, well, that's good. If this is used as an act of public reconciliation, individual confession and absolution may be used in pastoral care prior to this rite. Uh, The rite of anniversary or affirmation of holy matrimony is designed for use at the beginning of the divine service or daily office. It may also stand by itself as an independent service. Well, I did put it before the prayer of the church by the way, but that's like normally when you have a bunch of stuff, there's a natural break in the service almost between the service of the word and the service of the sacrament. And that's normally in the old times when you would throw everyone out of church who wasn't taking communion. you'd you'd usher them out, lock the doors, and say, we'll catch up with you in a little bit. Um, But, yeah, it's, yeah. Because of the solemn Character Holy Week, again, we're not doing it there. And then everyone gets communion at it. Yeah. And then the right in detail, number three, the restatement of marriage vows serves primarily as a sign of reconciliation between husband and wife. These words may be modified if the husband and wife wish to reaffirm their marriage pledge for other reasons. So this is, I mean, it's really interesting. Oh, no. We've got an upside-down page here. Friends, if anyone, like, wants to donate a new copier to this, your dear, dear congregation... That'd be fine. Uh, But yeah, it is. It's interesting. This kind of assumes that it is uh, an act of reconciliation between the husband and the wife. And I I mean, I don't know uh, where. When do you think an act of public reconciliation would be useful for a conflict between a husband and a wife that has been resolved? I mean, if if people know about it, um, yeah, if you've been publicly separated, if there's been like public knowledge of uh, infidelity, I think this would be, this could be incredibly restorative, and also like cuts out a ton of uh, gossip or whatever, you know. I mean, most of the time the couple would just show back up at church together and no one would ever know that anything had happened, probably. But um, I do like the public nature of, like, cutting out the rumors, you know. And I've had this a couple of times where you have some sort of public conflict in church and then you actually reconcile the people to one another and then you, like, tell the church about it. You're just like, hey, I know that you all have been talking about this. Well, let me tell you, they have been reconciled to one another, so this is not a topic that you need to be talking about at quilting or whatever. I don't know. Um, churches can have all sorts of, like, legitimate gossip dins, you know? Uh, it's, it's good to just cut those things off, but... Um, yeah again, i've only done this for people once they've been married for a long time, and it's it is a, v- a very joyful thing um, yeah yeah I think that's fine um People, I've, yeah, the one thing I, 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 uh, I hate making uh, announcements or like announcement prayers, you know, and you, you've surely like seen this in churches or like, and today we pray for, for Mike, someone who is having, uh, Problems with his bowels recently. He Who is he's been to the doctor this week, and they did an invasive um, stool collection, and he's waiting for the results, which will come back on Thursday. Uh, so keep him in your prayer. You know, it's like oh. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's also good to, like, tell people who the people you're praying about is. So, yeah, that's all. I don't know. I've heard of a thing in the, my friends who converted to Orthodoxy have this thing where, like, they celebrate everyone's birthdays and, like, they apparently shout, Axios, 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 afterwards. And it's like, long life to you. Sounds kind of fun. Um... Yeah, we celebrate uh, kids' birthdays once a month, and if we remember. Um, but yeah, maybe there's something you can do for other people. I don't know. Well, the people, like the pastor asked this month, you celebrate birthday's anniversary? And the people are actually there coming from. It's not like there's just a whole lot of names that you don't know. So it's an actual, like, right where they yeah, come up? And, it's, it's oh, well, that's kind of cool. I like that it's not but then the problem is like there's a lot of people who just like don't want to do that.'re right. like want to do that, well, then they don't. like you've been to churches that uh interrogate visitors after service or like during service, and you're like Ugh, I'm hoping that the guy doesn't see you, you know, or else you're gonna have to stand up and tell everyone who you are and where you're from it's like I don't like doing that. I mean, does anyone like doing that? I don't mind at all. Oh, man. I've met interesting people. Oh, you're from wherever I find you. know, Grandmother am say? Sometimes if there's someone that I know in church, I will, like, tell people where they're from afterwards or something. But, ah, ew, eh. that's, that's a little, that's a little. Some people just don't want to do that. Um, unless the pastor goes around and singles everyone out, or this church that we've visited in Hawaii, they give you a lay when you come in if you're a visitor so that everyone knows the whole entire service that you are a visitor. And uh, I was not being enthusiastic enough during the singing section of the service and was actually like singled out by the like worship leader to not hate on their worship because they're filled with joy. And I was like, not hating, uh don't like clap my hands, that's it, you know, like Ugh. Ugh. it was like a, you got this like target on you for being a visitor. which I mean let's be honest, like the visitors already have targets on them anyways, and then you are like yeah. and then and then afterwards everyone gets them, so even though I didn't introduce maybe if I introduced the visitors and told everyone where they're from, they could run away quicker. I don't know, but I don't know I mean I probably am more on the like I want to stand up and talk to every single person there, but um, yeah, let's so I want to, next next week we're gonna start looking at the Book of Concord. Um, I have a oh man, I have it in my office a schedule for reading. We're just gonna read the whole Book of Concord during Lent and talk about it on Sunday mornings. How many of you guys have a Book of Concord at home? I think Good. the I I have it. Okay. It's not out of the box yet. Well you can borrow well, we have we have uh, several of them here that you can borrow. Um, we'll start looking at that on Sunday mornings and look at the whole thing during the month of Lent. Um, there's about 20 pages that we want to read every day uh, which can be kind of a lot but if you get behind or whatever don't worry about it I'll just tell you about what it all is anyways on Sunday morning so it's a it's a wonderful thing to actually read and know what your church confesses um, and it's actually just really fun to read too so um, there's a lot of different genres in there, but uh, that's what we're going to do during Lent for Bible studies. Um, Yeah, so we start off with the three ecumenical creeds and the small catechism. So that's the assignment for day one. And yeah, I don't know if you ever just sat down and read the whole small catechism, like just one, just in one sitting. Yeah, I never have either. It's more just something that you use you know yeah like the, but it'll be interesting to sit down and just read the whole thing uh, very yeah read the preface to the small catechism it is illuminating this is where we tell you that like you shouldn't feed your children or your servants unless they have uh, recited the Ten Commandments Lord's, Creed, Lord's Prayer and Apostles Creed before every meal and I don't know what the age threshold thing is on there but some of my children would have been starving by now or they would have been taken away from me so yeah so yeah if you have an effort if you have an anniversary or if you have some sort of conflict that you are uh, that you have worked on, by the way, talk to the pastor before you get around to filing divorce papers, like, you should come talk to me before then, okay? Not, like, after. So, because odds are we can work on stuff and make it through things together. You just have to talk about it with someone else, so. And then sometimes you got to go to a real person who knows how to talk about these things because, again, not a counselor. I'm just a pastor, so, um, yeah. You can get married in court and then celebrate that. How about that? Did you know that? Um, let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for the gift of marriage and pray for all husbands and wives, uh, that they would uh, love one another and respect one another, um, that husbands would love their, their wives as Christ has loved the church. Um, we pray for healing where it is needed, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.